Welcome to the Life Schooling Podcast. I'm Diana, a homeschooling mom of two, and I believe life teaches us everything we need to know. Vanessa will be back next week along with a special guest, but for today, it will just be me and I'll be talking all about how to start homeschooling in Florida, how to keep your homeschool portfolios, and I'll also be talking about homeschool evaluations and what that process looks like. There are probably many people out there who are interested in homeschooling, but they just don't know how to get started. They don't know exactly what the process looks like. They don't know what an evaluation is or how to keep a portfolio. So these are all questions that could possibly stop someone from starting to homeschool. But if you just take a moment to learn a little bit about it, you'll see that it really is not very complicated especially in Florida, we have very relaxed homeschool laws, which I believe it should be that way. And it's really not as intimidating as it might seem. Personally, I am a homeschool evaluator. Basically, that just means that I'm a certified teacher in the state of Florida, and I am able to review portfolios and sign off that students are progressing. When it comes to homeschooling, there aren't any grade levels. As homeschoolers, what's important is to see progression, to see that your child is moving forward and learning and that I can see on paper or in photos or combination of the two that what your child did in the beginning of the year has progressed and I can see changes and advancements towards the end of the year. And I can see that in many different ways. And it's really different for every student because as homeschoolers, we are able to cater our education to our children and to their learning styles. And we don't have to put them in a box or in a grade level. So we're able to really think outside the box and we're able to evaluate your children on exactly where they're at. That's another beauty of homeschooling. So in order to start homeschooling in Florida, if your child is currently enrolled in public school, you would need to withdraw them from the public school and you would need to submit a notice of intent to your school district. The notice of intent only needs to contain, by law, three pieces of information. It needs to contain their name, it needs to contain their date of birth, and it needs to contain the address where you live. Any other information that's requested by the school district or from anyone else is, by law, not required. Personally, when I sent my notice of intent, I created my own letter with the information that's required by law, and I submitted that to my county with the statute that states exactly what is needed, and I had absolutely no issues getting signed up as a homeschooler with my district. Sometimes school districts will have pre-made forms for you to complete as your notice of intent, but just so you know, they are not necessary to use. You are able to use your own forms. I thought this was a pretty cool piece of information to learn when I first started homeschooling, and I was grateful that a veteran homeschooler passed that information on to me. So I am now passing that information on to you, anyone who's possibly interested in starting to homeschool. Once you submit your notice of intent, you will receive, usually that's done via email or digital. Um, so you have a copy of it. If you were to decide to send it in via regular mail, I would definitely get like a return receipt request. But the best possible way is to send it through email because you have a copy of 
when you sent it and then they will respond to you via email and everything is in writing. So you will have a copy of the fact that they received it. And as homeschoolers, it is only our duty to inform your district or your county that you are homeschooling. We are not asking permission to homeschool. We do not need to ask permission. We are simply informing the county that we will be homeschooling. And that's it. That's pretty much the process. Once they receive it, they'll put it in their system. They'll let you know. And your child is officially a homeschooler. If you are not enrolled in the school system in a, in a public school, before the, your child turns seven, so no later than their sixth birth date, you should be sending that in to your county. So like I said before, I am an evaluator. I opened up my evaluation company and it is called Homeschool Evaluations of Miami. I have been evaluating now for just about six months or so. And it's been such a great process for me to learn, for me to, to be able to experience how others homeschool. And I've really been able to dig into just state laws and just get a really deeper understanding of homeschooling and the whole process. So I am happy to share that information with you today. So once you start homeschooling and you're officially in the system as a homeschooler, you will want to start to keep a portfolio for your child. Your portfolio should contain pretty much anything that your child did, samples of their work, and any photos that you might want to add to it, as well as a reading log. Portfolios are a really great way to showcase what your child can do. In school, they're tested. And tests are one way to evaluate a child's knowledge, but they're certainly not the only way, nor the best way for some kids. I think that having portfolios is really a great way to see their overall abilities and their overall performance. And I think that even in school, kids should be evaluated that way personally in, in a traditional school, because I think it just, it really gives you a great picture of what they can do. So as soon as you start homeschooling, you'll want to start keeping good records of the work that your child is doing, the classes that they're in, any extracurricular activities. You want to keep a really good record of this. Your portfolio can be a traditional like three ring binder folder that you, you know, put your papers. Chronological order would probably be best, but it's really up to you how you keep your portfolio. A lot of moms or a lot of Homeschool parents just use the traditional three-ring binder and they keep it by uh, subject and by date. But like I said, it's not necessary. It's completely up to the homeschool parent how you keep your portfolio. Portfolios can also be digital. I've had some homeschool clients who even keep like de designated Facebook pages, designated Instagram accounts, just to show and to keep track of the things that their child does. And I think that's a, a great way to keep track of it because you can just share that Facebook page with your evaluator along with any other things that you have, which I'll talk about other things that you need. But the point of this is just to say that you really can keep your portfolio however it is that works for you. Your portfolio can contain pictures. It can contain pamphlets or flyers from whenever you go on field trips or any kind of homeschool events. It should contain samples of their work, 
Uh, and you don't have to keep every single paper. As an evaluator, I look at key papers, let's say in the beginning of the year, in the middle and at the end, so that I'm able to get a clear picture of from where they started to where they currently are. So you definitely don't have to keep everything, but you do have to keep the things that you think are important, the things that you want to showcase in their portfolio. It doesn't have to be everything perfect. As an evaluator, I don't want to see just every perfect thing that they've done. I want to see the things that they made a mistake on. I want to see the things that they improved on. So showing or keeping just those things that are like perfect and immaculate, it's not a real picture of where your child's at usually. Now, if everything they do is perfect and immaculate, well, then that's your, that, that's awesome. And that's your child. But for the most part, it's good to include everything, the, the good, the bad, what they didn't know, what they learned, just so that you really have a, a good picture of what they're able to do. You also need a reading log. And I usually put my reading log at the beginning of my child's portfolio, and then I'll separate it by subject. And you don't have to, you know, cover every subject as a homeschooler either. But usually you do for the most part, uh, you know, the main ones, reading, math, science, social studies, and kind of just organize it the way that you feel is best and keep track of it. I know it's hard sometimes to keep things organized, especially as a homeschool parent. We have so many things going on and I have a folder that I just sometimes, you know, put all their papers in and then at the end of the year, I'll like have to organize everything. And I find myself spending hours fixing their portfolio. So this year I'm really trying to be good about taking care of it, taking time at least once a month to try and organize their portfolios, put everything by subject so that when it comes time for my evaluation next year, I am not scrambling and taking hours to try to put the portfolio together. So a good tip would be to try to work on it at least once a month if you can. But if you can't, at least keep a folder in somewhat chronological order so that when you go to put everything together, it's not a super tedious process. Like I said, you can also keep pictures. I've done portfolios before that I have pictures as well as work samples and it just when it combines together it's really nice and it's a great memory also to have later on you'll want to keep your portfolios for a minimum of three years once you create them so that if anyone were to ever come and ask for it you have it handy and you are able to show them with no problem. I've not heard of that happening before, but it's possible. Usually if the the county has any questions, though, they do have to give you a notice of 15 days to get whatever paperwork that is that they need and submit it to them. So even if that ever were to happen, you definitely have the time to organize yourself and gather all the things that you need. That's pretty much a summation of portfolios and what portfolios are about. I really enjoy looking back at my kids' portfolios. So it's not only a record of everything that you've done, but it's just really a nice thing to have. Okay, so evaluations. I remember the very first time that I did my evaluation. My evaluator, she's been my evaluator from the beginning. And I remember the first time that I did my evaluation, I was up late the night before just making sure that my portfolio was perfect and I was so nervous I didn't know what to expect or what the process would look like but it really 
wasn't as painful as I thought it would be. She made the process fairly easy for me. So I, I make it a point to be the same when I do my evaluations because it's really, it could be scary, especially when you haven't done it before. But just know that evaluators, they're not trying to pinpoint and find all the things that you might consider negative. Like it's the total opposite, at least for me. During my evaluations, I look at the good, I look at the positive, I look at what I love, I look at what they did great. So it doesn't have to be scary. As an evaluator, by state law, I have to look for three things. The first thing I have to look for is a reading log. Now, reading logs, I remember this too. The first reading log I ever did, I wrote the the date that it was read. I wrote pages. I wrote the author's name. I wrote the title. I wrote... I mean, I just put all this information and later on I found out that the only thing you have to have on your reading log by state law is the title of the book. You don't even have to have the author's name on it. I still like to keep that for my kids just so that I could go back if I ever wanted to read that book again or whatever. I have a log of, you know, the author's name. But personally, for my reading log, I keep the date they read it, the name of the title and the author's name. And that is more than what you need. In addition, state law says that you need to have a reading log with books. It does not specify a number of books. It, there's just an S at the end of the word book. So that means literally more than one. So as long as you have a minimum of two books on your reading log, that would be a passing evaluation for the reading log part. Like I said, homeschool laws are pretty relaxed and that's really laughable to most homeschoolers because that's usually done in one day of homeschooling, at least in most households and homeschoolers that I know. You know, reading is a really big part of our lives as homeschoolers. Not that it's not for others, but I just know that, you know, libraries and reading, that's just a really big part for me. If my kids just, if all they did that day was read, that was a successful day, in my opinion. So reading logs are an easy thing to keep track of, an easy thing to to keep. I've suggested to some people to actually just keep their library receipt. That's a reading log. They can include curriculum that your child reads. They can include magazine cereal boxes. Literally anything that your child reads could go on a reading log. Super simple. The next thing that I look for in my evaluations is a log of activities. This year, the way that I've kept my log of activities is in a homeschool planner. A homeschool planner is a great thing to use because you have the dates, you have everything right there, and you just have to kind of plug in what it is that you did that day. It doesn't have to be filled out for every single day of the week, but let's say Monday you worked on math and reading and science. You just jot down what it is that they did that day, whether it was just reading a book or whether it was an experiment or whether whatever it is that they did jot it down for that day or if you plan ahead uh, a lot of moms like to plan ahead so use that planner and write down all the things that you're planning for your kids to do write down days that you go on field trips any kind of activity that you do for homeschooling just take a moment to jot it down it doesn't have to be in an actual planner it could be a google doc it could be a sheet of paper that you write on. It really doesn't matter. Like I said, it's up to you how you keep your information. 
but it is something that I need to look for. So there, you have to have some kind of a log of activities that you complete during your homeschool year. Number three is work samples. Work samples, they should be varied by dates. I should see some that are at least in the beginning and at least some that are at towards the end of your school year so that I could get a good picture from the whole year. Work samples can include curriculum books, workbooks that they write on. It could include worksheets that you print for them to do, anything that they basically write. I even keep sometimes, my daughter's very creative and she loves imaginative play. She's always writing menus for restaurants and she's she writes prescriptions when she plays doctor and she writes little notes and just she's constantly writing things and I keep all of those little things because I think that they're a great way to show what she knows and these are things that she does on her own and things that she enjoys so I absolutely put those into her portfolio as work samples of course along with other things that we do but I think it just paints that picture of who she is as a person as a student as a learner and I think it's great to include all those little things that they do I also love to keep their artwork I usually showcase their artwork towards the end of their portfolio and I have all of their artwork together so those are the three things that I need to see as an evaluator I need to see their reading log a log of activities and work samples so also during the evaluation, it is a requirement for evaluators to have a conversation with your child. It's not an interview. It's not drilling your child. That's not what it should be. It's not testing your child to see what they know. We're able to see that in everything else that you're showing us. But it's just a short conversation. I like to usually say the things that I see that were great, the things that I saw that were really neat or different, the things that I enjoyed in the process of looking at all of their stuff I like to share that with the students and just let them know where they're at because they're a, they should be a big part of their education and that includes chatting with the evaluator so and that is a requirement as an evaluator when we do evaluations so make sure your child is there and that they're listening to everything that's going on because like I said it is great for them to be a part of that and a part of their own education a lot of times people come to me and they're very worried or very anxious or very str stressed about this evaluation process. And I love to be able to ease their mind because it really is not difficult. It's not about testing your child. It's not about seeing, you know, comparing them to others and seeing, oh, they should be knowing this or doing this. And I like to ease parents' minds because as an evaluator and as a homeschool mom, I know that it's important to meet your child where they're at and where they're at is not right it's not wrong it's not better it's not worse it's just where they are and I love that so much about homeschooling because we absolutely are able to meet our children where they are so if you've ever had any doubts if you've ever had any worries if you're currently homeschooling and you're not sure what that evaluation process is going to look like I hope that this episode helps you to understand that it does not have to be stressful. It does not have to be hard. And I will be happy to help you through the process. If you ever want to reach out to me, if you have any questions, just know that there are people out there. I'm sure I'm not the only one that are happy to help you throughout this process. And you will see, especially after your first time, that 
it's a great moment in your homeschooling journey because it's it's almost like I like to call it a level up. You know, every time we have our evaluation, it's our level up and kids learn in every single aspect of their life. It's their job to learn. It's almost impossible for them to go through life on a day to day basis, especially as homeschoolers and not learn. So find that like learn how to see those learning moments in their lives just take a moment and step back and think like wow even in any situation that they are in there's really learning to be had I hope that that helps anyone who might be curious about what the process looks like and if you are thinking about homeschooling do not hesitate if you're able to go for it even if it's just for a year for a moment in time during your life try it if it doesn't work for you then you have other options and you can go back. But I can almost guarantee that it will work because it's just an environment that really encourages so much learning and just really helps your children to thrive. All right, well, we're going to go ahead and do our Moms Get Real segment. Today we have two stories that I wanted to share. We'll go ahead and start with the first one. So uh, this person starts with saying, real mom moment. All the gentle parenting went out the effing window. (laughs) Boy, do I have those moments that I feel that way too. (laughs) You are not alone. Okay, my kids were starting an art lesson and one of them asked, why did you move the water so far to the other? Then he proceeded to say under his breath, so it's closer to me and further from you. I asked him why he said that. He said that he didn't say anything. I repeated what he said and he still denied saying it. I felt myself getting ready to explode, so I told him to go up to his room. He burst into tears saying that he didn't say anything and doesn't know why he's being sent to his room. I lost my ish. I threw two paintbrushes at him and yelled at him to get upstairs. He finally admitted to saying it and said that sometimes he feels like he'd get in more trouble if he told the truth. But we've always told him that lying will always be worse than just telling the truth. I threw paintbrushes at him. To make it even better, our neighbor kid is over and I heard him say something like, oh, that's kind of like having paintbrushes thrown at you. (laughs) Oh, man. Yeah, we've all been there, mom. We have all been there. If we haven't actually thrown anything, the feeling has definitely been there. (laughs) But yeah, I feel on that one. And the next story we have is pretty funny. A total stranger was trying to console my son at a restaurant during a very rowdy, untypical fit of not eating. My two-year-old turned to the stranger and shouted, No! Be quiet, man! (laughs) That poor grandpa didn't know what to do, and I could have died. You know, kids, most of the time, just say it like it is, and that could be embarrassing in some situations but you know what sometimes people just need to also mind their own business (laughs) like I appreciate sometimes a stranger trying to help but you know in that moment he just wasn't feeling it and I get it so (laughs) that's not such a bad thing sometimes kids are too honest and my son has actually told (laughs) someone in front of me that they had a big belly (laughs) I wanted to like I was like, oh, no, my goodness. Yeah, it's just brutal honesty. (laughs) All right, everyone, that's it for today's episode. Be sure to share this episode with anyone who may be thinking about homeschooling or who might have questions about the portfolio and evaluation process. 
You can follow my evaluations page at Homeschool Evals of Miami on Instagram. I'm always happy to help with any questions or concerns. If you haven't already done so, be sure to follow our podcast page as well on Facebook and Instagram at The Life Schooling Podcast and leave us a written review. Have a great week, everyone, and we'll catch you next Friday. <laughs>